this week comes with a warning as we welcome Gumroad Sahil of India to the podcast and his controversial comments from his online talk in 2021. The Business of Software podcast, sharing sessions from our conferences and discussions with software people that will make you think. Find out more at businessofsoftware.org. Can you give us a little bit of background and a um, you know, little little bit of insight into into what you're doing before we kind of dig into things? Totally. What's the, what's the history? Why are you here? Why did I invite you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I got my start uh, at Pinterest. I was employee number two at Pinterest, um, where I designed and built uh, Pinterest for iPhone, uh, among some other stuff that I did there. Um, but I was stupid, so I didn't invest any stock. I ended up leaving and starting a company. Uh, so I started Gumroad in 2011, raised a bunch of money for it, uh, tried the venture-backed startup route for you know from 2011 to 2015, uh, failed that, that one as well, um, had to downsize the company from 20 people to five people, and then from five just to me, uh, got to profitable, not hard to do when you do that. Uh, and then basically I've just like been running the business you know, in this kind of just like the way that I want to, um, since, uh, since then. So in 2016 or 2017, I left San Francisco moved to Provo, Utah, where I learned how to paint and how to write, uh, science fiction and fantasy, uh, from this guy, Brandon Sanderson and, and Gumroad just kept doing its thing. You know, the beauty of software is, you know, make money while you sleep, they say, right. Uh, so it kind of kept doing its thing. And then, 2020 happened uh that kind of you know the whole creator economy thing is now kind of a buzzword and uh you know just we saw a lot of growth in 2020 we roughly doubled uh which was pretty you know we didn't have a team or anything it was just like it was it was kind of crazy i had to work again for the first time in a while uh and so i took a break from painting and writing science fiction and fantasy uh and uh and then uh there's a couple i guess notable things that, that i've written recently that have that people like uh, one is this thing called reflecting on my failure to build a billion dollar company, uh, which is kind of about the Gumroad journey uh, and uh, kind of my new approach. And then I recently wrote an article called uh, "No Meetings, No Deadlines, No Full Time Employees," which is how Gumroad operates today. Uh, we're doing twelve million ARR. We just raised six million at a hundred million dollar valuation. Um, and actually more than that, a higher valuation soon that we may or may not announce, who knows. Um, but uh, that's generally why people ask me to speak is for those two things. And then recently, I guess I also, this crowdfunding round, that $6 million, 5 million of it um, was via crowdfunding, which is this kind of new thing that, that we were relatively early on as well. So now people have a lot of questions around crowdfunding. Um, but generally I just like, you know, I, I, I kind of do things my way. I don't have to answer to anybody. Uh, I don't have a board. Um, you know, I have, I guess what you would call fuck you money. Um, and I also now have a fuck you audience. So I can kind of do whatever I want. Uh, I have a rolling fund as well that I launched last year. That's now it launched at $5 million a year. And now it is $12 million a year that I get to invest in startups. That's kind of a, a side project for me, a side hustle. Um, and I'm writing a book, or I just finished writing a book for Penguin, which comes out October 26th, um, called The Minimalist Entrepreneur, um, which is kind of like my playbook for how I would start a business uh, today, 
if I were to do that, which I am doing. I, I started lots of businesses. Um, so yeah, and then yeah, but mostly I I you know I I write. That's kind of my primary thing that I like doing. Um, uh, so yeah, anyway, that was kind of a rant. Um, but yeah, that's my so, that's my that's my two minute spiel. Rants uh, rants are fine. Rants are fine. Um, you didn't start out like this. You started out and you went down this classic Silicon Valley. You raise a ton of money and you had a ton of money um, and VCs. So you know you had quite a conventional um, start. Were there were there sort of any particular things that happened to make you realise what a big or why was that such a mistake for you? Was it just you really wanted to do your own thing and found it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the thing with venture is that, and you know, and I can, I am a venture capitalist <laughs> now, right? Mm-hmm. So I can, I kind of play both sides of the argument. Uh, uh, I'm a hypocrite, I guess. But, uh, you know, I, I think the, the thing with venture is, is I, mean, I think venture is great. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of venture capital, uh, but I think it, it, it is a fit for very, very few businesses. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think generally when you have, you know, when you, I think what you've had, recently and both in this sort of the zeitgeist but then also sort of actual capital allocation you have a lot of money that flows into this world that like has to get invested basically right so you end up investing in like a lot of things and that works generally for the vcs like me because you know we're making a lot of bets right so we're investing in dozens of companies hundreds of companies and so it's totally fine if 90% of them die, like that's just the nature of the game. Um, but as a founder, you know, you're yeah. kind of taking one shot every five years or every 10 years, right? Uh, and so the risk profile is very, very, very different for these two groups of people that you both need them to, for Silicon Valley or whatever to kind of work. Um, and so I think as a founder, you kind of, it's easy to get swept into, you know, get high on your own supply and think that you're going to be the exception every founder thinks they're going to be the exception obviously otherwise they wouldn't be doing it um and so when reality hits you in the face you know uh the vcs don't really care i mean it's part of you know part of the game for them uh and so you're kind of left if you rely if you kind of have built yourself kind of a certain kind of identity uh it can be really dangerous i think uh yeah. just for your own personal well-being because you know you realize you're just like a a you're like a, you know, I don't know, a basketball player that gets traded or something like loyalty is not a thing, right? Loyalty Mm -hmm. does not exist. Um, It's, it's a very capitalistic system. Uh, uh, And so, yeah, that's just some of the stuff that I learned. I think, you know, I don't necessarily regret raising money or anything, but I probably raised too much too quickly because raising money kind of forces you to accelerate, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And when you accelerate, it's just like a lot harder to make changes. So I think generally you should be pretty confident that like the direction you're going yeah. in is the right way to go because yeah. it's it's virtually irreversible um especially when you have burn rate it's kind of like rebuilding a you know trying mm. to you know rebuilding a plane in midair kind of so, thing right so, can you just say how much you raised yeah so we raised uh, 10 million dollars i think mm. we raised a 1.1 million dollar seed round from chris saka from lowercase max lepton from paypal excel partners uh, first round, collaborative fund, Danny Reimer, Seth Goldstein, Naval, uh, maybe some other folks that I've forgotten. Mm. Um, and then we raised a Series A, a seven million dollars Series A from Kleiner, um, Kleiner Perkins, and, uh, and we ended up raising a little bit more than that. We raised a bridge round 
from Kleiner and Mark Cuban and some other folks, I think um, first round put in a bit more money than uh, so. Yeah. Over, over the course of those three or four years, we raised around a little over 10, $10 million. Yeah. And that forced you down a route that you weren't necessarily comfortable with, but it's actually quite unusual to walk away from that kind of, I think it's, a, it's an old yeah. um, cliche. It's the kind of rocket ship, but you know, you walk away from the rocket ship and you've still got a kind of car that's working. I'm mixing my, anyway, the company <laughs> was still there, but they, yeah. they, how did you get rid of them in the nicest possible way? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, this is one of the reasons I think that article resonated so much with people was that it's just not that common. And it's not that common because like you generally can't choose to do, to do it. It's not your choice. The VC has to say, you know, this is not working for me. And so I'm going to write off my investment. Uh, mm. and, and, uh, and, you know, I don't know still to this day exactly why that happened. Uh, and it's a little bit like uh, the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. Like you mm. can't, you know, you can't sort of, you know, observe what is it position and momentum at the same time. Like, you know, sort of effectively observing anything will change, change what you're observing. Right. Uh, and I, I think that's kind of what happened. Gum, Gumroad, I think for them basically was a, a dead company. Uh, yeah. And, and it was kind of a zombie startup and, uh, and, you know, they're, they were fun going through changes. They probably wanted to simplify their books, take a tax write off. Right. Um, they basically, you know, venture firms can kind of put their losses against their wins and, and save a bunch mm -hmm. of money when they pay taxes. So they probably had a good year with Uber or Slack or whatever. And, uh, and they saved $7 million or, you know, $9 million or however, I get $8 million was how much Kleiner put in. Um, you know, so they got an $8 million tax write-off presumably. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of like heads, heads we win, tails we win too uh, for them. Uh, but uh, yeah, they really just sent me an email um, and said, Hey, we're, you know, we're interested in writing off the investment. Basically Gumroad, you know, we'll buy back our shares for a dollar one dollar um and so i said yeah sounds yeah, sounds great to it. me you know uh yeah. i'll look and you know i'll find some couch money or whatever and so we did that um but i, I think part you know the lesson maybe you know because one of the hard things about writing that article was like i'm like i don't know if this is going to teach anybody anything right like how do you use this to your advantage as a founder but i would say the one lesson is like i was just in very transparent with them and with and all my investors and what and eventually with the you know with the rest of the world and uh, and i think they like i think it made them more comfortable right with like what writing it off would mean for them right like mm. because it, it and so a lot of founders i think they don't really you know if the company's not doing well or whatever like they just pretend that it is or they just don't say anything they don't respond to the emails or they don't send updates or whatever and so the vc is just like they don't have trust in the founder they kind of lose that sort of that relationship. And so these just, you know, these really friendly decisions ultimately just don't happen versus with me. I was like, I'm moving to Provo. I'm laying everybody off because we've got to get a profitable. I'm, you know, doing X, Y, Z. And I would always say at the end of every single email, like if you have feedback or concerns or whatever, like hit me up, you know, I'm pretty open, pretty open person. Uh, and so I think that gave them like a little bit more certainty that like this company, this company is basically dead. It's like obviously dead. This person is not <laughs> pretending that it's dead or whatever. There's nothing so, more you could do to kill it. Yeah. <laughs> so like, let's give him the company back, 
you know, it's a small business, like it'll do its thing. And, and because they did that Heisenberg uncertainty principle, like that actually gave us the momentum to like, mm. you know, gave me the renewed energy. And so like people, you know, sometimes say, haha, like Kleiner wrote off this investment that now would be worth, you know, four to five X, what they bought in at probably. Uh, but the truth is like, it wouldn't be because yeah. It required them to do that for it to be worth all this, you know, whatever it's worth today, right? So, so I think it's a, it's a kind of a tricky thing. I don't think they regret it. I've talked to the team since then, and they're like, "Yeah, it's amazing to see what you've done." The truth is, like, you know, Kleiner is is managing billions and billions and billions of AUM, right? So, like, it doesn't even Gumroad at its current state is not considered yeah. successful uh, for yeah. them, right? So, it's kind of a weird. Yeah weird thing to kind of grok but it is what it is mm. and I'm, I'm grateful for it yeah, so and it uh you know welcome to the uh, boss way of thinking albeit belatedly i think you know that kind of independent thinking one of the things that really kind of struck me about that uh, you know the the things that you were talking about there and the conversations that um i've had around that um you kind of had a reset about what is good and what your objective and what your goal goal was for um for gumroad and there's no way you would have been able to do that without um or, or with those um investors on just Correct. just tell us a little bit about um yeah how that how that happened and, and and what the what the big change was yeah yeah so you know when 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 you have investors like generally the way that this world works is liquidity right so you you buy shares at a certain price and you share shares at a certain price later. And that's how you make the vast, vast, vast majority of your money. There's no such concept really as profit sharing or dividends or anything. Right. Uh, and so, you know, it basically set yourself up for this billion dollar plus exit. Otherwise it's, it's effectively a zero. So, you know, everything you do is kind of to maximize that, right? Like it's called the growth at all costs kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I called it in the reflecting article, uh, capturing value basically like your goal is to capture as much value as possible um because that's eventually you know that's generally why people are investing and and, you know where the where the returns are coming from because like you know you're going to be valued at a multiple of earnings or revenue or whatever um you know and growth is kind of the biggest part of that equation uh and you see this with even with public companies right um whereas in this new world where i no longer had investors uh or like a lot fewer, at least of them, uh, I could uh, focus on creating value instead of capturing value. And so my thesis was like, how can I create as much value as possible, which is building a very different kind of company uh, and and recruiting in a different way and like kind of changing everything fundamentally about how we operate, uh, which means much less about, you know, sort of like long-term IPO exit strategy, M&A, and more just about like, how do we serve our existing creators today? Right. Like it's actually kind of like anti-growth at all costs. Like I don't care about growth at all, really. Uh, like I'm just, you know, and it's kind of ironic because like I raised money from the, like a new set of 7,000 investors recently. And like, you know, they're always like, you know, they, a lot of their questions are around growth. And I'm like, I'm sorry if you invested because of growth, like, you know, <laughs> it might happen, but it's, I don't, you think about it, you think about it more than I do. Um, so, uh, and I, I don't feel bad about that whatsoever because I've communicated that in my, my view, I've, you know, my superpower is that I'm super open. So like, I don't feel bad about the way that I operate because I give people plenty of opportunities to, to know that. So I think that's also gives me a lot of power, quote unquote, to kind of do things 
my way, you know? Mm. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's sort of been about just like talking to customers uh, and, uh, you know, serving them, just figuring out, okay, how do we make the product better, right? Um, and that doesn't mean not growing necessarily. Sometimes you have to grow the team to do that, but it's about serving our existing cohort of people. It's not about selling to new people. It's not about how do we grow the business uh, faster? Um, how do we make more money? It's like, how do we help the existing creator base earn more money? And generally, if we do that, the other things kind of happen. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think in terms of like stress levels and things like that, like it's, and also just like focusing on what you can control versus what you can't control. It, it, it's not necessarily up to you how fast you grow, right? If it was, or if it were like everyone would be growing fast. I mean, I don't know, yeah. you know, uh, but the truth is like a lot of these things are out of your control. And so I just generally think it's healthier if you can take a long-term view of it, that you know, to just work on the stuff that you can control, make things better improve the product, you know, optimize the things in your life that you care about and make sure that the sort of the base case is, is pretty healthy for you. Um, and then if any of these things happen, like COVID really accelerated the company and other things, the crowdfunding was like a regulatory change that I didn't predict. You know, I was just able to take advantage of it because I'd done the other things right. Like I had invested in the things that I cared about, like building an audience, being open, sharing, and so when I did the crowdfunding round, like we raised $5 million in 12 hours from 7,300 people, um, you know, because I had invested in all of these other things with no real goal in mind, right? Like my goal mm. wasn't like to raise a bunch of money from a bunch of people in this new way. Um, I was just living my life the way I felt like I wanted to. Um, and it ended up serving Gumroad. So now there's kind of like the self-fulfilling, like now I just want to keep doing that because like clearly it works, mm. right? Like clearly like there's seems to be some sort of these trends um i seem to be at the forefront of at least a couple of them the creator economy future of work democratization of vc whatever um and so like i can just kind of double down on you know on my interests uh and and it, it seems to to be the best thing i could have done because if i put together a business plan it wouldn't have included all of the thing it wouldn't have included covid it wouldn't have included crowdfunding so it seems just pointless to me right like why predict the future like why try it's it's not it doesn't work um crypto who knows <laughs> well, what's gonna tried happen it, tried it and it didn't work and then you made it up as you went along and it's kind of different so yeah i mean yeah, i always know with people that like you know we're just trying to build a faster horse like everyone loves to say you know that kind of quote you know from steve jobs or henry ford or whoever it was right and like but the truth is like most people you know the, the car was only invented once like you know and then you just make the car faster and more efficient mm. and like you know actually like most people are building faster horses. Like that's generally what you should be doing. Very few people are actually reinventing a new wheel, right? Like that mm. happens very, very, very infrequently. And it's, by the way, it's never predictable, right? Like it's not like Newton was like, I'm going to invent like a new form of, of, you know, I'm not, I'm going to discover gravity, <laughs> right? Like knowledge creation is inherently unpredictable. It's if it, if it were predictable, we would already have all the things, right? Like, um, and so I just think even, even when I, when I, I think founding stories of, of big companies, very rarely uh, was it like the goal in the beginning, you know, like yeah. we wanted to be a hundred billion dollar company, like Stripe did not start out with that, in, in that motivation. Um, once it became a possibility, they might have optimized for it, but like generally mm. very, very few companies actually start with that in mm. mind. And I think that's kind of the, some of the toxic kind of thinking I think that happens these days is people think they can wish it into being 
uh, but it's just not true. Um, yeah, that's no, more an NFT thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's talk about Gumroad and how you run it. It's and this is the sort of second article that you um, you, mm -hmm. you had, which was about how you're how you're running the company. Um, so just to confirm, no full time employees. Yeah, except for me. So, yeah, no, no full time so, employees. And so I definitely you're full, <laughs> you're full time, but you. But yeah, three other I'm a salaried employee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no meetings, no deadlines. Yeah. Discuss. No. Yeah. No. No social uh activities in slack um no retreats no perks no equipment no internet connection no phone uh no health benefits uh nothing besides cash for work or equity if you want it but yeah those two things you know it's very 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 transactional um which is amazing i think it's it's like the best way i've ever worked and uh so far we have not had any I don't know any real issues like unionization or any, mm. any of these things. Uh, generally, people people like this this way of working. I found. Um, so, is there a particular kind of person that uh, appreciates that culture and and is bought into it? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you know, generally, the base camp kind of attitude. People really, you know, that jive with that jive with this generally, um, Basecamp just announced some changes today, actually the way that they work, which are kind of interesting. Um, hmm. uh, the, you know, a lot of people who want to build their own companies, right? Like, uh, that's, it's really appealing for them because it's very hard to build a company if you're working in another company, but at Gumroad, you can do it quite comfortably. You can work 20 hours a week at Gumroad and then 20 hours a week on your own project or whatever. Hmm. Um, so that's, a, that's another popular archetype. Um, there's people who just want to maximize the time, the free time. And so Gumroad is one of the few places where you can work 20 hours a week, um, in a consistent way. Most companies don't even allow you to do that. Uh, so if you just care a lot about surfing or rock climbing, I talked to somebody the other day, he's like, I just love rock climbing. I want to work two to three hours a day. And then I want to go climb or, you know, vice versa, go climb and then work or whatever. Um, so I, I assume like ski bums, like, you know, a lot of those kinds of people, surfers, like this way of working will be quite appealing to those kinds of people, right? People who don't, new moms too, you know, like if you have a kid and new dads, I don't discriminate. Like, you know, like you have a kid, like meetings suck. I mean, like scheduling this stuff, like it's not, it's a huge time suck for everybody and it's stressful and annoying. So I think there's a lot of reasons where, you know, people don't want to sit in meetings all day long. Um, and so there, there's, a, there's a wide array. I would say that the, the profile of people who don't want to work at Gumroad are the people who, you know, they want to work a ton of hours, right? Like I used to do back in the day. Um, so they might be young. They may want to put in like they, they're single. They just want to, you know, especially during COVID, like what is there to do? You might want to work 50, 60 hours a week. If you, if you believe that you're going to get paid, you know, 200, $300, $400,000 a year to do that, that can be, a, you know, a, a decision that someone can make. They might want a bunch of stock in like a fast growing rocket ship, like Stripe or, you know, one of the one of the many startups. Um, so that's another reason that you'd want to go that path. Mm. But like, you know, you really care about startups. That's another one, right? Like you just want to be in the ecosystem of startups and venture capital and blah, blah, blah. Like that's also appealing to a lot of people. Uh, so there's a few reasons, but honestly, my guess is like most people don't care about any of those things. Most people don't want to work 40 plus hours a week. Most people don't care that much about Silicon Valley and San Francisco. Most people don't need to make $400,000 a year, you know, 
uh, you know, if, if it means working, you know, 60 hours a week or 50 hours a week or whatever, right? Like, I think mm. it just, those were the options, right? Like you get it, you get a degree in finance. There's not that many options to work even 40 hours a week. Like you, you get into New York and then you, you know, you're working from like seven in the morning till 2 a.m. And it's just the norm. It's just what it is. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a very, you know, different way of thinking about things. Um, but it's a huge competitive advantage, right? Because like we win those people, like there's a lot of people who want that and there's not that many companies who offer it. So we can hire like really amazing people who like, you know, we wouldn't have been able to get if we were like, sorry, you have to be an SF in an office for 40 hours a week. They just never would have worked at Gumroad. Um, and we're starting to win people that I think like, you know, if Stripe were to win them, it would be like noteworthy, you know, because um, because of the, the model and, and, and things. So mm. it's going to be really interesting. Uh, and I think the sort of last missing piece of it is if Gumroad actually succeeds even better, faster because of it, right? Because if, if Gumroad, Gumroad's still in like kind of the weird startup mode, like we're kind of a, a, an outlier, but if we can grow significantly, if we can really compete in the creator economy and say, hey, we're actually pretty competitive with Substack or Patreon or mm. Teachable or whatever else, but we're, by the way, no, no one here works full time. Like that would be pretty interesting to a lot of people, I think, you know? So I think a lot of people are watching Gumroad and I think if we can execute in the next year or two, um, it may change a lot of minds. Um, so it'll be interesting to watch and see. Hmm. How many, uh, not not full-time people, but I mean, I guess, how many individuals are working on a part-time? Yeah, the- I mean, some, sometimes it's hard to track, Ish. right? Uh, <laughs> but at least 30 right now. Um, yeah. 30, and we onboarded six people today, so 36 now. Um, and we'll probably grow to around 50 by the end of the year, is my guess. Um, so yeah, you know, a sizable sizable chunk of people 50 yeah. people is not a small small, small how, number how do you think about the contract or the arrangement that you have with them because it's pretty i mean i know you've written about this but if you could to just um talk about it a little bit you you're saying i will do this for x amount of time um this is my availability how does how does that kind of work how do you how do you build that into the model that you have of the business yeah, totally. You know, so so when we went remote, we went re- remote sort of by force, right? Because we were going to die, mm. uh, and an office was very expensive. So it was like one way for us to save twenty five thousand dollars a month. Um, and so basically, you know, once we did that, I had to like document everything. I had to put everything in Notion. I had to put everything in GitHub. Right? Like everything. There's no tribal knowledge. Like I had to kind of document everything. And even like I, I was thinking about selling the business at one point, um, and so I had to document everything for that and tried to, to make it as attractive as possible to an acquirer, I had to minimize anything manual anyway. Mm. Uh, so, so it was a big, it was a big focus, um, to kind of automate everything and then anything that we couldn't automate, you know, document, uh, and, uh, uh, and yeah, so that kind of forced that sort of, um, what do you call it, but the discipline, I guess, of, of asynchronous communication. Right. Um, so when people started joining the company, I was like, here's everything, like here's notion, like here's everything that we, you know, that we, that we have. Um, and I wanted to make my life easy. And so like the, you know, anything that only I know, uh, is work that I have to do because people have to come to me to get it right. Like, for example, if I need to make an offer to an engineer, like if I only, I know how much engineers make, then I have a job, which I don't like jobs. So like we have a Mm -hmm. internal document 
we pay, by the way, we pay everybody in the world the same rate. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and it's all documented internally within the company. So anyone can look at and see how much everyone is making and roughly how many hours people are doing and stuff like that. Um, and so there, that's kind of like the, you know, a lot of, a lot of why it, operationally, um, people join the company they go through an onboarding process, which you can see if you go to jobs.gummer.com, just a notion doc kind of outlines how we, how we hire. Uh, there's a coding challenge. There's like a 30 minute phone call, normally 15 minute phone call, to be honest. And then they start a one month trial period that's paid 10 hours a week or so. And then if that goes well, they start working for us indefinitely as long as they want to. And, uh, and then, you know, they basically Monday, they get added to GitHub Slack notion, you know, and then they're free to work. You know, they, they see all the stuff they can kind of pick what they want to work on. If they need help, they can ping me or Daniel, our head of product or anyone else. And, and, you know, but generally like, and then, you know, they invoice us like every week or every two weeks or every month, they just send us an invoice saying, Hey, this is how much work I did. Um, this is my hourly rate. I hit pay or approve actually. And then they get paid and that's it. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's funny because there are a lot of questions people have about this. Like, what if people don't work or like, how do you, you know, how do you check this? And like, how do you budget rent? Like, you know, how do you make sure that like, for example, one very, very common question that engineers ask is like, is there an on-call rotation? Like, how do you have a company that processes hundreds of millions of dollars worth of payment um, without, you know, like in this way? And my answer is like, I don't do anything. Like it just works. Like it just, it, it turns out people care. People are accountable. People want to work on Gumroad, they want to serve our creators. There's no other reason really to work at Gumroad, to be honest. Like, if you don't care about serving our creators, like, there's be better places you should be at. And so, there's no need for me to do a lot of this stuff. How do I know people are working? I don't. They they seem to be like uh, I trust people. Um, maybe at some point I will not be able to. I will have to make some changes. I will might have to add some process. But, you know, they, be, they I really just add them to get up Slack and Notion. And then they start working. They invoice. I pay them. They quit if they don't like it. But generally, our churn is, like, insanely low. Like, it's too low. Like, I thought our churn would be high, which would be good because we'd get a lot of new blood and people would start companies. But, like, uh, you know, it, it just seems to work. Um, someone asks about uh, how do you know they're not having secret meetings? I don't. I mean, they're welcome to have meetings if they want. I don't know. I don't care. I don't like meetings, so I don't have them. Uh, but if they have secret meetings, I'm not going to say, hey, sorry, I saw this. I, I heard that there was a secret meeting. So you're fired. You know, um, It's like we don't have social channels in Slack, none of them. Not because we're apolitical, though we probably would be considered that in, you know, in this climate. It, it, it takes care of itself. Like There are a lot of these things that, that people really obsess over, um, but like they just don't seem to matter. And I always say, look, if there's a problem, like we fix the problem. I mean, I don't have to brainstorm problems ahead of time. Like, mm. you know, I can move very quickly. I don't have to ask anyone for permission. I just do these. I just, you know, I decide yeah. to do things. What I do is I just, I say, I'm going to do this. Then I tell the team, I'm thinking about doing this. Is this stupid? Most of the time people say, yes, it is stupid. And then I don't do it. And then 10%, 20% of the time. <laughs> they say, this is awesome. This is a great idea. And then I do it, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. And by the way, like the other weird cultural thing that I find a lot of companies is they rely only on their company, right? They rely on these people who work 40, 50, 60 hours a week for them to do the work. I can rely because there's this kind of more graduated kind of people who work at the company, people who don't work at the company, people get paid, blah, blah, blah. Like they, you know, I can, 
I can ask anyone in the world for it. Why am I only adv- asking my people, you know, my 10 full-time employees or whatever for, for feedback mm. on what, what Gumroad is doing. I can ask our creators. I can ask anyone on Clubhouse. I can ask Twitter. You know, I can ask tens of thousands of people, um, you know, for, for advice. And that's what I often, often do, um, which, you know, makes Gumroad a much, much, much better product because we have far more ideas than, than, you know, than, uh, than most probably companies have mm. at our, at our stage and our scale. Are the crowds always wise? Well, the beauty of it is I never, I never have to listen to them, you know, uh, right. Like I'm a, I'm a dictator. I'm fully 100% a dictator. Um, I have zero, I mean, even with my rolling fund, which I'm very open about, uh, I'm probably one of the few funds in which you can actually read all of the LP updates for like every single person basically can calculate how much money the fund is making, which is like very rare in Silicon Valley. Like if you, you can't find that information out about basically any fund, um, but it's a single, it's one person. It's just me making decisions. I make decisions basically on the spot. I wire a hundred to hundred uh, to $250,000 in 30 minutes. Um, and then I move on with my life. Um, and it's a rare, it's very rare. I'm deploying $12 million a year this way. Mm. Um, and, uh, that's, you know, roughly the same scale as like basically any early stage fund, uh, that has partners and employees and staff and like all of this stuff. I have none of that. Cause I just think it's, it's, it's bullshit to be honest. Like it's unnecessary. Um, it's things that you do because you feel like you have to do them and it's the way it's been done for a long time. But if you have certain, some of the things that I have now, uh, you actually don't really need to do a lot of this stuff. Uh, and there's a lot of data that actually says this. It's just, uh, it's just most, most people don't have what I have, so they can't do what I do, you know? So, um, so yeah. Okay. Come up. Come to come to the investment piece uh, as we go. There's some great kind of questions kind of coming in. Quite a lot of them you've been um, you've been dealing with um, as we as we go, which is um, which is great. But um, how do you kind of do the stuff at Gumroad that you don't really want to do? Um, and I suppose use one one example as is, is you know there've been some sort of instances of people saying, "Hey, this maker is this creator is using my work." um that's my copyright i should be paid for that yeah these guys have stolen and that piece the sort of policing of that seems to be um yeah i mean i don't know if that's a, yeah you know, I, I would say you know it's like but... to give you an even more loaded example it would be like mm. someone uh is 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 maybe i don't know they believe it's art but it's like offensive to a certain group of people Right. Mm. Like, and, and this group of people wants de-platform this creator, um, you know, uh, basically one, like my rules always is, is I have a sort of a, I haven't run this down necessarily, but like, you'll, you kind of figure this out. Like one is openness, right? So like the way that, like the process, the way in which we handle these things is very open. So everyone knows how we work Two, I give it's automated. It's a, it's a process. So it scales. Uh, and so anyone can submit sort of, let's say in this example, like they can file a report effectively. Um, and because of the openness, they kind of, they should really know ahead of time if this is going to result in a suspension or not. Right. Mm. Um, and then it makes my life incredibly easy because if they've given me the stuff that I require, and by the way, if they don't give me the stuff, they don't get deplatformed. They, I ignore the request. Um, and you know, and that's on that's on them. If they want if they want me to take action, it's on them f- f- 
for them, in my view, this is the way I think about it, to, 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 to do it the way that I want them to do it. Um, but then, you know, it makes my life incredibly easy because it's literally a 10 second decision because I know I have a very clear framework, which by the way, anyone can do my job too, because mm. the, the way I do my job is written down. I literally, like I have it open and I'm like, does this match this thing? For example, I'll, I'll, you know, you have to provide content on Gumroad. You have to provide evidence that's on Gumroad hosted by us, right? If you provide evidence of a tweet that they have that's offensive, or it doesn't even matter. It's irrelevant to us. We do not look at that. We don't care. Mm. It's not even that we don't care. Certainly, I care. I have my own views on a lot of this stuff, but the way our process does not care, uh, and that's different, right? Uh, and that way, when employees have a concern, if they're like, "I don't like the way that you you're handling this or whatever," it's not about this. It's about the system. It's about the process. They can make it. They can make a suggestion. They can open a pull request. They can give feedback to a process that we have, um, but they cannot argue with the decision. And so I think that's kind of a clear distinction that I think a lot of people, there's, you know, Twitter, for example, I think doesn't really have a clear set of guidelines. And so that causes them to a huge amount of headache uh, mm. because, because the truth is like, you know, there's a few people in the organization that can decide who gets to post and who doesn't. That's just the truth. Uh, but they don't admit that. So they have to like obscure it and all of these things. Yeah. And it just makes their life hell. And I'm not saying they should admit that, right? Like they've, I'm sure they have thought about it uh, and it just doesn't make sense for them uh, and they won't. Uh, but, you know, it's, you know, Gumroad is, I, can't, I, I think also lucky in that regard that we're not big enough that like I can kind of work this way and it's fine, yeah. right? Um, like if someone raises a bunch of money on Gumroad and then like, kills 10 people or whatever like then yes we will likely have to revisit some of these things um and we're always open to that idea but uh you know uh i just i, I i'm a very pro uh, i'm a very reactive person like i will not proactively tackle a lot of these issues um and i just make that up front to everybody who joins the company i think that's the most important thing you can do right is to just communicate to people like i'm doing now or like you know with the hiring process like this, these are the reasons you may hate working at Gumroad, right? Like you may, if you really care about a certain political issue or if you, you know, that's great. I mean, I do too about certain things, but like, you know, just make sure that you're, you know, you're a good fit for the way that we work. Um, and so I try to like, basically, and this is again, the, the, the growth at all costs, I think leads to a lot of these problems because you're trying to grow so fast that you, you, you kind of don't, you aren't super maybe upfront with a lot of these things, right? So you end up having all these people and then later on in the, life the company you're like oh th these are actually not the people i want and then that creates so many of these headaches right you have to filter this stuff out as soon as you can and and I, so i always think openness is like a really great way to scale because it means you just have to make less less decisions less things in your control um, but yeah you know certainly there are things that i don't enjoy doing and i'm always thinking about how do i open this up how do you know these 15 minute phone calls i have to do 15 of them a week right now because i'm going through a recruiting sprint um, do I have to, like, can I write like the top 15 questions and say, Hey, if you don't have any questions, you can just start the job period. You know, now you don't even have to mm. talk to me. Um, uh, and I'm sure we, we, like, that seems to me like an inevitability. Um, can we open source the whole product so you can actually start contributing to the code base? Maybe that's the way that we hire is like, you have to contribute, you know, to something, to the code base or something. Uh, and that's the kind of first level filter. But there's like this kind of power law, right? Where like, there's like so many people who, who are at step one. Like there's so many people who want to write a book 
And then there's like only 5% of them actually write a book or write even a first draft of a book. And of that- well, five, 5% of them have a title. I think it's a smaller <laughs> number for the actual writing the book. <laughs> so, you know, the, so as long as you have some blockers and some filters, and, and like my goal is always to have a filter that alienates most people, but anyone, if they want to, can get over it. So I don't think filters are good if they discriminate or if they have, mm. you have to be an SF or like something like that, that really does force people out of the, out of the system. But you can say like, you know, everyone has an hour of free time, hopefully, right? So like you can ask them to do something that takes an hour. And so that's kind of how I think about it. And that generally gets like a ton of the croft out. And then my life, it's kind of like my inbox is a lot cleaner for it, right? And then I can, mm. I, I generally reach inbox zero. I have a pretty, I don't know, I'm pretty public on the internet. My email is public. My Twitter is open, DMs, blah, blah, blah. And like people always complain about inbox zero. I'm, on, I'm at inbox zero like all the time, basically, mm. like- uh, I'm at inbox zero by 8 a.m. every day. Uh, and and that is all the inboxes um, and uh, maybe 9 a.m. And then the rest of my days, you know, basically doing whatever I want. But that's because of these other things that I've done. Right? Most people are, most people do not have the same level of openness that I, that I do. Um, so, very interesting. And I know um, I'm, I've got a couple of, channels the best way to um ask is to ask in the chat and we'll uh, bring you up on uh screen to ask as well but um when you're investing or who are the other people running companies in this bizarre weird strange crazy way that seems to work for you yeah honestly not many <laughs> it's very yeah it's it's i tried to find a bunch um Generally, they're a lot smaller. I think I think a lot of people have started running companies this way. It's just they haven't reached scale yet. And so they're not as well known. Um, I think ironically, what makes Gumroad a lot, really compelling to a lot of people is the fact that we used to run the company in a different way, right? Yeah. And so that this, the reason that you know Gumroad is interesting to people is kind of the reason a lot of these other companies are not yet interesting. Because the truth is like, you know, many companies are run this way, right? maybe most of them, but like, you just don't know it. Um, like the whole music industry, for example, runs this way. Basically no one is an employee of anything. Everyone, everything is kind of like project-based and like, you know, Kanye West hires a bunch of people for the album, blah, blah, blah. Like if, this is just the way the music industry works and has worked for a long period of time. Uh, the film industry is actually quite similar too. Um, so there's a lot of these, in, these kind of these things that we just don't think of them. They don't match the, the kind of the archetype so much. Um, Basecamp is, is probably like the most famous, uh, example of it. Um, Wildbit is another one. Um, Panic is kind of a little bit like that, mm -hmm. but, but like, I, I think, I think it'll take five to 10 years to, for a lot of these companies that started this way, you know, this way was only possible in like 2015 onwards, because a lot of these, these toolings didn't exist yet. Right. Notion, Figma, you know, GitHub's product quality has improved a lot. Like a lot of these things weren't even possible, uh, you know, a few years ago. And so it's going to take yeah, time. Yeah for these companies to get built in this new world and, and reach scale in this new world. But my guess is, I mean, the number one economy that has a million of these companies, crypto. Crypto is full of companies. Literally every company in crypto is basically decentralized, no office. Everyone kind of works, you know, as a contributor to the company. There's really no mm. full-time employees. Um, everyone works, gets paid based on how much work they're doing. Um, not everyone, obviously, but like, you know, it's, it's quite common in crypto. And actually that's kind of how I look at the creator economy is like traditional economies over here, startups are over here. Gumroad is kind of over here, crypto, uh, you know, crypt, uh, sorry, 
creator economy is kind of over here. And then crypto is like the crazy libertarian, whatever you call that, you know, and, and like they'll meet in the middle, like the, the place that, you know, it, you know, most companies will end up are kind of in the middle where they'll have some full-time employees, but they'll have like tons of contributors. That's kind of my guess mm. where a lot of companies will end up long-term. I, my guess is WordPress looks a lot like this automatic. Um, they're probably a pretty good example. Um, but it takes, it takes two things. One is you have to do it, but then two, you have to have a founder CEO who's willing to like talk about it a lot. And that's kind of a personality thing that a lot of people just don't have. Matt Mullenweg talks a lot. He speaks a lot. So, he, you know, Jason Freed, the DHH, um, they're very outspoken people. Um, and so there's just not that many, you know, it's surprising to people sometimes because it's like, but the, the truth is like, those are the people you listen to because they talk, <laughs> but the vast majority of people I know as an investor, I'm always telling my founders, like, talk, like do this. It works. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I do is post like little banter on Twitter. And I have 200,000 people that like my hiring, my entire hiring process, like the hardest thing that my, my investments deal with generally is hiring people. That's like the hardest thing about startups. And my hiring process at Gumroad is I tweet once and then I'm done for six months. Uh, and I hire really good people and, you know, I do it all myself and, and like, but you know, it takes a huge audience, mm-hmm. you know? So like so. it's, it's the value is there. I just think a lot of people don't see it or they don't want to, to do it, which is fine. You know, more, more, more cake for me. Right. But uh, it, it is a, it is very advantageous. Hmm. Do you think you'll get to a point, I mean, and, and we're talking with um, Amir and Wade from Doist and Zapia just earlier on, and both of them had been talking, I mean, they've got these, uh, to a degree, um, greater or lesser degree, asynchronous ways of working. Um, Amir went for absolutely no meetings and was like, this is perfect, this is what I want, and it didn't work, and he had to had to bring them back and just beyond a certain certain mm-hmm. sort of size. Is there a kind of an optimal thing for you or do you think this is, do you think this can scale? I mean, you know, the, the truth is like, I hate meetings. And the reason we do this is because I hate meetings. Um, I don't know why my camera became blurry for a second. Um, you know, so like if we need meetings for Gummer to get to the next level, that's fine. Mm. That's more important than what I care about. But like the beauty of it is like, I don't need to work at Gumroad. <laughs> Like, you know, who says I need to be the one running the ship? Who says I'm running the ship now? You know, mm. um, I'm not really, to be honest. It's, it kind of runs itself. Like, I, I feel like I'm the kind of like the, the person like adjusting the, the, the rudder once in a while. Mm. Um, but like, there, there doesn't really need to be like a strong leader. There's so much momentum at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly think like, you know, what, what I think will happen is like, there'll be parts of Gummer that will need meetings right? Like maybe the design team needs meetings or, or something like that. And like, they can do have meetings if they want, right? Um, it's just like, I'm not going to enforce meetings on anybody, uh, mostly because I don't want to enforce them on myself, right? Like, I, I just think like the, the sort of rigid rigidity of it um, can be can be really bad, um, you know, for my own personal life. Um, I need mm. free time, I need to be able to react quick, quickly to new projects that are interesting, like crowdfunding, rolling funds, like the reason I'm so fast and that I, and, and not only am I fast, but like I kill it when I do them. Like, I don't just have, I like, and why am I able to do that? The truth is because it becomes my full-time job, right. For like a month, like mm. crowdfunding was my full-time job for two weeks or three weeks. Um, so like, it looks effortless. Cause it's like, how is this person? Maybe it doesn't look effortless. If it looks effortless, it may be because 
I'm running a company, writing a book, crowdfunding, running a rolling fund that's bigger than most funds all at the same time. But the truth is like, I'm only doing one of them at a time. And like the rest is mm. kind of delegated or automated or frankly, just not that much work. If you're willing to, if you're willing to be open about how little work it is, you can, you know, you, <laughs> like the truth is running a, a $12 million fund is five hours a week for me or less. It's just not a big deal because what do I do? I meet with founders and I give them money. That's pretty easy. I mean, I, I was doing that anyway for free, uh, except I wasn't giving them any money. So like now I just give them a hundred thousand dollars, you know? And so, you know, a lot of these things, if you're willing to admit that, like a, a lot of VCs are not willing to admit that the vast majority are not willing to admit that um, because it would put their job at risk. Well, why are you paying this much money? I mean, like, that's mm. insane. Like, you know, um, but if you're willing to admit that, like the world, like you can live a very, very different way. And, mm. and the truth is like, eventually the truth will come out. Like eventually the truth will be clear to the LPs and to everybody in the world. Uh, this is kind of the nature of it. Um, and then the people who, you know, were the most upfront about it will win quote unquote, right? Mm. Like the Navals of the world, the Chamats of the world, the people who have are clear eyed and are willing to take bets in public. Generally, people want them to win. Elon Musk is a great example of this. Elon Musk is one of the best people on planet Earth, in my opinion, um, because he, he takes bets. He puts, he goes all in, he ties it to his brand. He does it publicly. You know how many, how much money Tesla has spent on advertising? zero. They've never spent a dollar on advertising. They're the best car company in the world. They have them. They, they probably get more free advertising than anybody else. People hate Elon. Yeah, of course. Like hate is, is zero customer acquisition costs. Outrage is free. Uh, you know, um, he's on SNL, like what other car company CEO would ever post, you know, that's like brilliant. Um, that's priceless. Um, and so like, you got, I think you just got to respect the game, you know, like it's, uh, it's incredibly impressive. Um, but it requires things that just most people are not willing to do. Mm. Yeah. Do you invest for impact? And I'll explain what I mean by that, if I, I will, or, or return. And by impact, I mean, you've got this thing about, hey, that these different ways of running businesses. If, yeah. If your business, Gumroad, three years ago came to you now and said, Hey, this is what we're sort of doing. We don't do meetings, blah, blah, blah. Give me some money. What would you say? Yeah. I mean, I like to say that there are two kinds of investors, investors that invest for returns and liars. Like you're not an investor if you're not investing for returns. Like definitionally, what your job is, is to take capital and allocate it in a way that increases the value of that money. And you're hopefully doing it for institutions or individuals in which you believe that them mm having more money is a good thing. Um, but like, you know, an investor that says they don't care about returns is like, I don't know, that's like, that's the point. I mean, what, what are you doing? Like, you're just admitting that you, you're, you suck at your job or something. I don't get it. Um, you know, which is, you know, again, this is a truth that like a lot of people aren't willing to admit. Um, they, they say they care about impact, but like, I don't know, I, I, you can see the behavior. The behavior is pretty clear that most people care about returns. The people who don't care about returns care about returns they just suck at getting them um so yeah I, I invest purely for returns i would never invest in government i would never invest in government i would never invest in a ceo that's like me um and i'm very open and clear about that what know? are the top three things that make you uninvestable to yourself one government is not my number one priority that's like that's game over like i would never invest in someone uh who you know has other things that they care about too much right um 
it really, you know, I know what, I know what starting a company is like, right? Like, mm -hmm. and by the way, like, you know, Gumroad is also old, right? So like a lot of the things I don't have to do anymore. If I was starting a new company, I would, I would approach, you know, I would not be running the company the way that I'm running it today. Um, so that's, that's a big one. Uh, two, I'm angel investing a lot in other companies. So my, my bet is incredibly hedged. At this point, Gumroad could go to zero and I would still be quite financially well off. Um, so that's another reason I would never, you know, I want, I want people who are really in, like they have real skin in the game. Uh, um, and then three, probably, uh, I mean, those are the two big ones. Um, three, like, it's pretty clear, like, uh, that I'm not willing to play the game that much anymore. And like, I'm, I'm too smart. Like, I, I know too much. Like, you know, I think to build a startup, you, you kind of have to be a little stupid. Like, you know, you have to be naive. You, you have to be, uh, you know, willing to sacrifice a lot of your personal health, to be honest, to, to make mm. it work. Sometimes you have to be, you know, you like, you have to be willing to sacrifice a lot of your personal relationships, et cetera. You know, like I didn't go on a date for five years in San Francisco. Like these are just things you have to do. Um, right. Like, you know, what, what the Steve Jobs reality distortion field, right? Like, how do you do it? You, well, first you have to apply it to yourself, right? Um, you have to be a little bit delusional um, to see a world that doesn't exist and then, you know, make it exist. Uh, and, and most people fail, right, to do that. Mm. So like, th those are some of the reasons I would not, not invest in myself. Cool. What's your ultimate personal goal? Uh, kids, How do you want have, to be remembered? Have kids. I mean, that's, that's my own, that's only, that's my only goal right now is to have kids, um, which will happen in three to five. I, I, I tell people like, if you go to my BitCloud profile, which is like my true, my true personality, it's like, I'm just killing time. <laughs> I'm just killing time until I have kids. Like I'm just messing around. Um, I'm just doing what's fun. Um, which I think is why a lot of people sometimes get pissed off at me is like, I do their jobs for fun. Um, and I do it better than them with less time investment. Um, yeah, I'm just having fun. Like I'm running Gummer the way that I want to run it. I'm running my fun the way that I want to run it. I'm writing my book the way that I want to write it. Um, and you know, I don't have to ask anyone's permission anymore to do these things. I don't have to, like anytime I need to raise money in the future, mm. uh, I can tweet <laughs> and I will have as much money as I want. Um, you know, uh, anytime I need to hire people, I can tweet and I, you know, like it's, it's, it's an insane sort of leverage, you know, that I have now that allows me to, to work in this way. Um, I like having interesting conversations with people. I like other other things, but in terms of an ultimate personal goal, like I think having kids is 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 definitely mm. number, number one. Uh, and, and someone asked why. I mean, just because people say it is. I mean, people say it's awesome. I, everyone I've met who has kids has said it's like the best thing they've ever done. Um, we're human after all, and so uh, you know, I want I want to have kids. I want to have as many of them as as possible. Probably, you know, that's not up to me. So. Um, you know, probably won't have 50, um, unless I can figure it out somehow. Um, who knows? Uh, I don't have to play by society's rules to do it. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, yeah, I, I want a really nice house. <laughs> I don't know, like the basic things, you know, it's, it's funny because like all of these people, like, they, I'm, you know, they have like all of these different ways of going about their life and that's all great, but it's funny because everyone kind of ends up in the same place, which is like, you have like a semi-decent house, you eat good food every once in a while, you have grandkids and you like hang out with your friends and you know, like you barbecue, <laughs> like everyone, like, doesn't matter where, you know, like how rich you are, like, those are the best things in life. Um, 
And so I don't know, I, I, I treat money like, a, you know, it's like investing like a game. Like I, I, I do want to maximize returns, um, but it's just fun. It's just for fun. It's just, a, it's just, a, it's a game with a number and I want to be mm. the best. Why? I, it doesn't matter. I mean, why do you want to climb a mountain? Like, you know, humans need challenges and this is the challenge for now that I've picked for myself. But, you know, like there are harder things that I need that are far hard. Like I'm writing a science fiction novella right now that's far harder than any tech thing I've ever done. Um, you know, which is why I'm doing it is just to do it. Cause it's hard, you know? So. It's interesting. So what, uh, are there any kind of rules that you would apply to having kids that uh, are, the, are your rules rather than the ones that I'm all following? What am I doing wrong? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think are we all doing wrong. Tell us. I don't know. I mean, we'll find out. Um, I mean, one thing I think is weird is like how few kids people have. Like there are these people who are insanely affluent, right? Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, for example. And like, I don't understand why they don't have hundreds of thousands of children. Like, does, like why not? Um, Larry Ellison, oh no, I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, you know, so I, I, th I think there are a lot of interesting, uh, I don't know, society, society says you shouldn't do this or whatever, but like, I, I don't know. I think it would be really interesting to say, um, like I, I can have a, a million kids, right? Like I'm, I'm, I am biologically capable of having millions of children. Um, so can I, like, is that possible? Um, obviously you need certain, you know, technologies and it's certainly not possible today. Um, but I, but I, you know, it would be interesting to see if it is possible. Um, could I, I think it's possible. I think it'd be harder to be a father to a million children, but yeah, you know, totally. you know, it would be, yeah. It definitely would be, you know, I could, I would only be able to, yeah. But like, I, I think there's like a, I don't know, there's a, there's a way to do it. Um, who knows? I'm sure that there, these ideas are stupid. Most of the ideas I have are stupid, um, but you got to try. Um, I don't know. It's fun again. Right. Like I, I, I want to do new, interesting things. Like, even though I think a lot of them will not work because like, that's how you find out, you know, if they work or not, mm -hmm. like it's very hard to kind of know a priori if these things are good ideas or not. Um, unless you actually like try it and like see, um, mm. you know, so yeah, right. I, think, I don't know. Yeah. Well, well kind of getting to a, a wrapping up point before we, before we go, I'd love to know if there's anyone that wants to kind of come in and um, say something. I can almost see Bridget bursting <laughs> with excitement. Yeah. I mean, I, it's funny. There's a lot of comments around, like everyone assumes that you have to spend time with your kids. Like that's also like another assumption that society makes. Like you can have a million kids without spending time with any of them. That's not a requirement. Um, why would you treat your kids like better than any other human being? That seems discriminatory. I, I think I have pretty good genes. I think I'm pretty smart. So like, you know, why wouldn't I want my genes to be in, you know, more people? And by the way, it's everyone's choice, right? None of this is going to be is non-consensual, of course. Right? Like this is all, um, and this is just me bullshitting, right? I'm just having fun. Who knows yeah. if I'm going to do anything? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, that's um, wasn't where I was expecting um, this conversation <laughs> to go, but it's pretty, it's uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty thought-provoking. Yeah. Um, Okay, um, Sahil, thank you um, very much. Anybody got any other things? Because I know there were a, the chat was moving at sort of quite a speed, at, and I thought there were a couple of things. That we Someone says sustainability is everyone's responsibility. 
interesting. Um, yeah, I'm not concerned at all about the planet. Humans are pretty darn, pretty darn smart at figuring stuff out. So I have zero, zero concern um, that we won't get through this. So far we have every time. The planet Which is will a bit be of, fine. Yeah. The planet will be fine. On top of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who, yeah. I mean, that's life though. Everything is going to go to zero at some point anyway. That's entropy, man. Yeah. So he retorted two chemistry <laughs> jokes in one talk. How about that? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah. he'll, no, no, I, I think I think energy consumption is like a whole other con conversation. But like, I really, uh, I think humans will consume more and more energy over time. And luckily, we have a sun, so like, we'll figure mm. it out. Technology. This is the beauty of technology: is it's unpredictable, right? But like, by twenty one hundred, we will have less people on planet Earth and far better technology. I don't think any of the issues that we think about today are are actually real, going to be real in twenty, you know, twenty one hundred. Which I, by, by the way, everyone believes this, like both sides believe this. Um, the left believes that it's a real problem and we're gonna build the technology and that's the solution. Uh, the right believes that like, it's not a real problem, but like the answer is the same for both sides, which is it's not a problem in 20, you know, in 2100, so. Um, uh, that's and, a longer conversation. Yeah. Um, I'd love, I'd love no politics have. rules, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, pol it's okay. not politics, this is the, the earth. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, Stephen, if, if, if there's 11 billion people in 20, 2100, I will give you $11 billion. Yeah, he's yeah. got a shout at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely not happening. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, really, really lovely to, um, to have this conversation. I think, you know, lots of... Um, Different, different <laughs> things going on there. Um, if anybody's looking for quick, cheap money from Sahil, what are you? Mm -hmm. What type of things do you invest in? Um, and yeah, I mean, I crypto is really interesting to me. B two B SaaS, future of work stuff, e commerce. Um, but again, like, look, my goal is to maximize returns, so I have zero real thesis. Like, I will look at anything and everything. Um, thesis, you know, theses are also made up mostly to raise money, not to not to deploy capital effectively. Um, so yeah, I really anything, anything that you think, you know, as I mentioned, like it should be your number one focus, you know, you have to be kind of stupidly delusional about it. <laughs> if you are those things, then like, you know, hit me up, you can go to shl.vc and, uh, and there's a form that you can fill out and I'll get back to you within, you know, within 24, 48 hours or so. Sahil has done some amazing things, building Gumroad up to be a platform for creators and funding new ventures every week off the back of Gumroad's success. He has a lot to be proud of for getting to where he is so early in his career. You may find some of the things he says in this session aggravating or offensive, but we implore you to look beyond the comments to get to the insights that have encouraged Sahil along his journey. We will not always agree with each other's point of view. That's part of humanity. Once you accept that, you can really start to pick out some of the gems of wisdom and even the strangest of places. In this talk, you will hear Mark and Sahil discussing everything from venture capital to inbox zeroing and even personal goals and the concept of parenthood. Happy listening. And remember, don't shoot me, I'm just a messenger. Thanks for listening to the Business of Software podcast. For more information, go to businessofsoftware.org.